So uh, go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 28. We've been in the book of Matthew for the last two years and we're ending up uh, right now. You're, you're laughing, but it really has been the last two years. Yeah. So, uh, uh, and so we're ending with this thing that uh, is called the Great Commission. And the idea of the Great Commission is Jesus is about ready to ascend to heaven and he's giving some final instructions to his disciples that apply to us as well. And so in the last three weeks, we've been going over this Great Commission of, of, of God talking to his disciples about what are you going to do when I'm gone? And so the first week we talked about God was basically, Jesus was establishing his authority. And the Great Commission starts out like this. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. And, and then we talked that week about, if you remember, uh, we talked about how we establish our authority. I, I'm a father, right? I'm a dad. I, I tell my kids, I bought, your, I bought the house. I bought the food. I bought the clothing. I brought you in this world. I can take you out of it. Therefore, clean your room, right? I establish my authority and I give a command. If you're a coach, you tell them, I can make you run till you puke. I know more about this sport than you do. Therefore, you know, pass the ball more often or whatever. If you're a teacher, you say, I know the subject better than you. I have a degree. I can give you an F. Therefore, do this paper, right? Okay? Establishing his authority. This is exactly what Jesus did. I, uh, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, and the week after that, we talked about what that was. Go and make disciples of all nations. And what we talked about, that the operative word is not go. In the Greek, it means having gone. It can be translated having gone. So therefore, having gone into the world, make disciples. Having bought that house in that neighborhood, make disciples. Having taken that job, make disciples. Having been accepted into that school, make disciples. That's the command. And so we say, well, Jesus, that's fantastic. How do we do that? And last week we talked about the first element, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That comes right after repentance. You uh, believe and are baptized. And so we talked about the obedience of after accepting Christ, after deciding, I, I'm going I'm to, my whole life is going into this. The first act of obedience is baptism. And we talked about if you'd forgotten that or whatever, it's, Jesus isn't up there with a club, right? He's just, let's, let's do it. And so, uh, so we had 11 of you uh, or 10 of you sign up for baptism. Uh, and so I'm, I'm hoping that there'll be some more for those of you who haven't done it or maybe did it as a baby and you're like, I don't know, I, I, I just want to recommit my life that you'd get baptized on the 31st when we have our family Sunday. So now this week, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me make disciples, baptizing them uh, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now we get to this one, okay? Teaching them to obey, oh, I'll put it right, it's right up here, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And before we kind of launch into the, into the message, I want to show you what it doesn't say. It doesn't say teaching them everything I've commanded you. Can you get that one off? I'm sorry, I didn't. It doesn't say teaching them, to, uh, teaching them everything I've commanded you. It doesn't say teaching them. It's teaching them to obey. And this is what we're gonna talk about this morning. Every week I can come and I can share the word of God with you and I can tell you what the Greek and the Hebrew and the widget and the blee blah and the whatever. Okay, I can give you all this stuff and you can sit and you can go, wow, I've learned so much. But until you obey, 
it will have no impact in your life. Jesus doesn't say, go and make disciples by teaching them everything I've commanded you. He says, go and make disciples by teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. A very big difference, right? For me and my life, I was that guy that knew everything, memorized all sorts of scripture, knew all this kind of stuff, but I was living in disobedience. There's no fruit in my life. I was prideful. I was so into doctrine, I, I, I didn't understand application or sanctification. And God had to do a work in my life. So, because this is our, our um, idea of obedience being the key, and, and Jesus talks about this in Matthew chapter 7. You can put that one up now. He says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine, here's the kicker, and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Not just hears them, not just knows them, not just understands them, but puts them into practice. And so because the Great Commission is teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, we're going to go through John's uh, 10 for 10, okay? The top 10 commandments from Jesus for 2010, okay? I don't know if you're like me. I love top 10 lists. Matter of fact, I love the end of the year and like CNN does their top 10 stories and Newsweek does their top 10 stories and ESPN has their top 10 plays, all that. I I figured, you know what? If we're looking at Matthew, if we've gone through Matthew for these last two years and we're finally ending it up and he says, teach him to obey everything I've commanded you, let's look back this Sunday and look at some of the things Jesus commanded us to do the weeks that we've studied the book of Matthew. And we're only going to be in Matthew this whole morning. Okay, there's some other commandments in Luke and Mark and John that Jesus gave that we're not going to cover. We're just going to cover these 10. And here's a promise I want to make you. Let's say you're not even a follower of Jesus. Let's say you're just trying to figure out it's Christmas time and you're going, you know, maybe I should go to church. And so you pick this church. You don't even, believe, you don't even know if you believe in God. This message is still so applicable to you because what Jesus has given us as commandments actually work. And so even if you say, you know, I don't even believe in God, but I'm going to practice these 10 commandments, 2010 will be better for you than 2009 was. Not even believing in God. Now, for those who do believe in God and we've, we've committed our lives to Christ, even more so. Why? Because we have the power of the Holy Spirit to help us get through it, okay? So let's, get, let's go through them. The first one, first commandment, repent often. <laughs> repent often. It says when, uh, and so I, I put a, oh, that's the other thing is every, uh, everyone has some, uh, a picture of something that happened this year as just an added bonus, for you guys, okay? So this is Bernie Madoff. He stole uh, somewhere in the neighborhood of $50 billion, you know, give or take a billion. It might have been 49, might have been 51, but he got caught and uh, he issued an apology and I love this apology. I apologize to my victims. I'm sorry. I know that doesn't help you. <laughs> so that's a very nice apology, right? But this is not the kind of re- apology Jesus is talking about. What he's talking about is get connected with your sin. It's a a word we don't really like to hear often, but we're all sinners. And what Jesus is saying, if you read the scripture here, 
I put part of it up there, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. But the actual verse is in Matthew 4, 17, and it's the beginning of Jesus' ministry. And he says this, from that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. From that time on. So Jesus started his ministry with this idea of repenting. And from that point on, he issued this command. It's a command to repent. It's a command to understand that we are falling short and to know that only a merciful God can save us from this sin. And what he does after that is he begins to broaden righteousness because the Pharisees would listen to that and go, oh, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. What do I need to repent for, right? Don't murder, don't commit adultery, got it, okay, whatever. And Jesus goes, listen, you've heard it said don't murder, but here's, here's the, new, the new standard. Don't even be angry. You, you've heard it said don't commit adultery, but here's the new standard. Don't even look upon a woman lustfully. Well, now all of a sudden, as you start opening that door, right, you start going, man, you know what? I, I am totally falling short from God's standard. Well, that's the point. All of us have fallen short. Right? All of us need a Savior. And so the command of Jesus, and the one you can bring into 2010, is keep a short list. When, when, you, when you blow it, go before the Lord and repent. Now, repenting isn't just confessing. It's a turning from it. A turning from the sin. To go, not only do I confess that I did that, I'm going to turn my back on it. Right? Hebrews says we lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which entangles us and we run with endurance. Okay, So repent. The second thing, which is real close to it, Jesus commanded us to create healthy boundaries. You're like, hmm, don't remember that being in the Bible. Well, here's my picture for 2009 okay, <laughs> of creating healthy boundaries. And, you know, I, I'm wearing a Tiger Woods golf shirt right now, so don't feel bad for him. Okay, uh, but create healthy boundaries. Now listen to what Jesus says. He says this, if your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. Ew, really? Like gouge out my eye? Listen, here's what he's saying, and this is what we talked about when we went over this section of Scripture. Jesus knows how damaging sin can be, and he knows the consequences of sin. He predicted what we're looking at right now 2,000 years ago, and he issues a warning to all of us as a command for 2010. Set healthy boundaries. If there's something, if your eye is going to cause you to sin, like he mentions in uh, chapter 5, gouge it out. In chapter 18, he says, if your hand or your foot causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. Man, what, what is he saying? He's saying, do whatever it takes so that you don't have to spend so much time on point one, repentance, <laughs> right? Do a preemptive strike, even if it hurts. That's, that's the idea of what he's saying. Because the word he uses for, it says, if your right eye causes you to sin, it's, the Greek word is scandalon. In other words, it's, it, 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 for the true meaning is a bait, uh, stick for a trap in other words picture like a little rat trap okay with like peanut butter on it or like a little Reese's peanut butter cup which works fantastic if you want to get them uh, but think of it like that if 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 there's something that you want to put your hand in cut your hand off before you get caught in that trap because it's death 
That's the idea. Set healthy boundaries, even if it hurts. So if you got to get rid of your computer and you don't have email and you don't have Twitter and you don't have Facebook and that you just can't picture your life without it, God says, listen, if you can't control what you're doing on that computer, cut it off. If you can't control what you watch, get rid of the cable. If you can't control yourself physically, get out of that relationship. That's what Jesus is saying. Set healthy boundaries. Because if not, he knows and he knew 2,000 years ago, you're going to get trapped. Take, uh, create healthy boundaries. Number three commandment of God, of Jesus, take responsibility, okay? British Airways, flight 1549, went down. You remember that? They all survived, and the reason they survived is because that pilot knew exactly what to do every second of that flight, and he was steadfast and rock solid. He'd had training He'd had a foundation of training. And when the time came, when the disaster came, he was calm and he did what was right to do. And here's what Jesus says to us. Very simply, commandment. Simply, let your yes be yes and your no, your no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. It's a command. With your speech, tell the truth Always take responsibility. Now, you see, well, what is this, a kindergarten lesson? I mean, I could have gotten this if I was over with the kids. Here's the thing. Some of these things get so simple, we forget how powerful they really are. Here's what happens when you um, are tempted to go, like, for example, for those of you who are in the workplace, your boss comes up to you, says, did you do that report? You know you're going to do it right after he leaves, and you know you can do it really quickly, and you know no one's going to know. So you go, yeah, you want me to bring it over to your desk? Sure, I'll be right there. Then what do you do? You know, get on, print it up. Here you go, right? No harm done. But there is harm done. Jesus says, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Did you do that report? No, I did not. Did you do your homework? No, I did not. Did you have that second piece of chocolate cake? Yes, I did, right? Okay, I don't know. I'm just putting in examples there. Now, here, here's what happened. See, this is what makes it so awesome. When you say, no, I didn't do that report, you put it all on God. Lord, if I lose my job because I didn't do the report, whatever. When you say, yes, I did, you put it all on yourself, and now you've got to come up with the solution. You see that? 2010, you can take a lot of pressure off yourself just by speaking truth always making your yes yes and your no no it's so simple right but what is it it's a command of jesus a huge one and if we can go into what the pharisees used to do they had a thing for yes and they swear by the altar and they swear by the temple and they swear by the gold and all this kind of stuff and jesus is going stop it that's satanic just if if you did it you did it if you didn't do it you didn't do it yes yes no no very simple very simple. We do stuff like in, in, uh, uh, like in the office, you know, you say, you know, you, you're taking a call for somebody and they're in their cubicle going, I'm not here, right? You ever done that? And you're like, he's not here right now. I just think it would be fun to go, yeah, he's right here. He's waving his arms. So he doesn't want to talk to you. Wouldn't that be awesome? And just let God deal with it from there, right? Okay. Yeah. You're yes, yes. And you're no, no. All right. Number four. 
You're like, were you kidding? No, I'm dead serious. That'd be awesome. All right, number four, forgive. It's a command, okay? The only one I could find for 2009. So uh, at, at, at the VMA, uh, the Video Music Awards, uh, you know, Kanye West took Taylor Swift's microphone and, and then the whole country went into an uproar because how could this happen? Anyway, uh, to Kanye's credit, he called Taylor and asked for forgiveness. And you know what Taylor said? Yes, I forgive you. It's the best one I could find. So not all of these pictures are going to work out perfectly, but, uh, but that's what I got for that one, right? Forgive. Listen to this command. For if you forgive, this is so, guys, don't miss this. Listen, powerful stuff. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Man, are you serious about this forgiveness? Listen, for some of you, 2010, you have got to let it go. You lived all 2009 in all the entanglement of what he did to you, what she did to you, what they did to you. And the, the, the you know, sometimes I'll meet with people in my office and it's the same story over and over again. And it was like 18 years ago. And here's the command of Jesus. You've got to forgive. Why? Because you're forgiven. And what you did was a lot worse because you sinned against a perfect God. That's all Jesus is saying here. As a matter of fact, he told Peter, he said, Peter came up to him and said, hey, so what, like, you know, seven times? Is that cool, you know, if they do it? And Jesus is like, no. I think I have it back up here. He says, Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Now, that doesn't mean 77. It means 77 times. You want to forgive them 70 times? Seven times. Okay, so 490. Is that right? Yes. Awesome. I should have written it down and I guessed it. That was good. Yeah, 490 times. It's important to God that we have hearts that forgive. And maybe 2010, your New Year's resolution is, you know what, as, as much as they've hurt me, I'm going to work on this command of Jesus to forgive them. A father, a mother, a sister, brother, old ex-wife, ex-husband. I'm going to forgive. Okay? Very important. Um, as a matter of fact, uh, there's another one. Um, in Matthew 5, 24, Jesus kind of expounds on this. And he says, you know, it's so important that you, that you, that you get this down. If you come to God and you bring a gift at the altar and you know you've got something going on with somebody else, just leave the gift there. Don't even, go, go make it right first. Go make it, then come and bring your gift to God. Why? Because we say, oh God, I want to I love you forever. Thank you for forgiving me. And then we turn and we haven't forgiven. Now listen, I know some of you have been through some horrible things. And so I'm not making light of that. I'm just saying, could you make 2010 more obedient in this area than 2009 and just begin to let the Spirit of God work in your life? It's very, very important. Number five, keep your focus. Keep your focus. Man, 2009 was a year of calamity, was it not? I mean, foreclosures, all this financial stuff. Some of your 401ks are completely wiped out. You're like, thank you so much for bringing that up right now. Glad you reminded me. Okay, right? But Jesus knew this was going to happen. He knew it was going to happen. 
He knows it happens all the time, right? It was happening when Jesus was talking, when he said these words. Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth. It's a command. Don't do it. Goes on. Where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. Don't store up treasures. You say, well, does that mean I, I, you know, I can't buy a TV? I can't? No, because here's the nice thing. I mean, y- yeah, whatever you want to buy is fine. But here's the point. Because Jesus goes on to clarify this. He says, where your treasure is, that's where your heart's going to be. And so if you have your heart set on a new house, oh, that's good. That's going to bring our family together. That's going to be the thing that, or a heart set on a new television, you are going to get disappointed every single time. If you think, oh, if I just get that promotion, you know, I, I, I deserve it. I've worked so hard. When you get that promotion, Jesus knows it's not going to satisfy. And so he says, listen, as a command, don't get your heart set on those things. And could you make 2010 better than 2009 this year from a command of Jesus going, you know, I'm going to obey that. What in my life have I put my treasure in? And then he says, instead of that, put your treasure, put your heart in something that's of this kingdom, the kingdom of heaven. And begin to think, man, how can I really invest myself in the kingdom of heaven? Because let me tell you something. Where you're invested, that's where your heart is. We learned that this last year. So if I buy stock in Apple every morning, uh, that's where my heart is. That thing comes up. I'm looking, is it going up? Is it going down? Is it going right? Because that's where my treasure is. But if I'm just whatever, whatever, and I'm thinking of the things of God, that's where my treasure is. That's what I'm most interested in. So Jesus says, don't. Uh, don't get all bent out of shape with that. Number six is just like it. Don't be anxious. Don't worry. Is what is a command of Jesus. Okay? This person who just graduated, they are worried. Hire me, please. Right? Because there's no jobs right now. Let me just tell you this. Jesus knew this 2,000 years ago. 2010 is going to be completely filled with uncertainty. Okay? Completely. I don't know what's going to happen with the economy. You don't know what's going to happen to the economy. You don't know what's going to happen to the housing market. You don't know what's going to happen with health care. You don't know what's going to happen with Obama. You don't know what's happened with terrorists. You don't know what's going to happen in Afghanistan. None of us do. And here's the point Jesus is making. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about those things. It's not going to make any difference. Here's what he says. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. So clear. And then Jesus makes it even worse by going to the things that really you kind of should worry about. (laughs) Like having some clothes on, I would worry about that right now. And having something to eat. I mean, those are basic needs. But he says, I don't even want you worried about that. But Congress, you can worry about that. No, you can't, not eating, not putting on clothes, none of it. Don't worry about it. Can you be interested in it? Yes. Can you read up on it? Yes. Can you talk to your friends? Yes. But don't worry. Don't get so upset. Don't let it rob you of your joy. Now, 
How do I do that, John? That's easy for you to say, right? Goes on in verse 33. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And then all that other stuff, it'll work its way out. It says all the things will be added unto you. But basically, it's all going to work out in the end. If you seek Christ, if you seek what, who, what he has for you, and part of it is this obedience to his commands, if you do that, all that other stuff is not going to make any difference. Think about when you were your most spiritual. Now, that might be right now for you, but some of you might go back, you know what? Three years ago, man, I, 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 would, I would venture to say you didn't have a care in the world. You were following your Lord. And you're like, I, you know what? I'll take a bullet for him. It doesn't matter to me. I don't really care. He's saying, I want you back that, there again. That's essentially what he's saying. Don't, don't worry about that stuff. Let's go do life together. Let's confess your sin, get it over with, and let's just move on and advance the kingdom of God. Don't worry. Seek first my kingdom. Number seven, do not judge. Okay, for that one, I got uh, Octomom is on there, okay? The reason I put Octobomb in there is it's the best picture I could find, number one. Well, that's it. It's the best picture I could find. No, America just went nuts when she had her eight babies. I mean, everybody was talking about it. Everybody had an opinion. Everyone was judging her. Everyone was, and you know, I did too. I mean, I was like, eight babies? I can't even handle three, but eight babies, you know, this is crazy, you know? And so we, we judge her. Now listen, you're going, okay, where are you going with that? Here's the command of Jesus. Do not judge, lest you be judged. In other words, be very careful at the way you, okay, listen, value people. Okay? It's all about value. Now you say, yeah, but John, I mean, if I see somebody and they're not doing it, that's fine. They might be in a sin or whatever. We're allowed to test fruit and we're allowed to look at that. But don't value someone. Don't judge. Okay, oh, you know what? They're worth less because of this or they're worth more. We do both things in society, right? Somebody's worth more because they're smarter. Somebody's worth less because they're not. That's what he's saying. Now, watch what he does. He goes on to say this, and this is a famous section of Scripture in um, verse 5 of chapter 7 in Matthew. You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye, then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. And you say, oh, okay. We use that all the time, right? Take the log out of your own eye. But don't miss what Jesus is saying. He's saying, take the speck the log out of your own eye for a purpose. And the purpose is so then you can see clearly to help that person take the speck out of their eye. And imagine what we would be like if we were like, you know what, God? I'm going to work on personal holiness in such a way that once you've helped me achieve it, I can help someone else get there too. That's the point of that section of Scripture. Can I see that you've got a sin in your life? Absolutely. But when I go, yeah, that dude, he doesn't even, you know, why don't you, why don't you take care of your debt before you start talking to me about it? That's judging. Ha- to have me go, um, dude, I was right there with you. Let me tell you what, what worked for me. That's, that's the way Jesus wants it to go. So, you need, so hopefully in 2010, we start to look at some of these people maybe we've devalued and think, how can I, 
those people. And the first place it starts is in your own heart so that you're not uh, stuck in there. Number eight, obey the golden rule. Okay? The golden rule is one of these sections of Scripture that has gotten so much airtime that it's lost its value. Okay? The golden rule, oh, go ahead and yeah, unfriend. That's the new word for 2009, just so you know, to unfriend someone if you're a Facebook fan. Has anyone here unfriended somebody? Nice. Just me and Aaron. Okay. I'm going to go check and make sure you didn't unfriend me, right? right? To unfriend someone means, you know, you're on their Facebook and they're totally out of control. And so you just say, remove them from my friend list. Okay. And it became a word in 2009. And so you'll see a lot of people say, yeah, they bugged me. So I unfriended them. Okay. Again, the picture's a stretch, but work with me. Okay. Here's the point. So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you, for this sums up the law and the prophets. And you say, yeah, I taught my kids that from the time they were two years old. But have we lost the weight of that command from Jesus? I mean, think about it. Imagine if you really did that in 2010. Imagine if you threw everything else out, but you really did to others as you would have. You're in line at the store. You're in a rush. There's someone behind you. They're in a rush. And if you were them, you would love for, because your card is like filled up to here. You would love for them to just allow you to go in. So you go, you know what? Why don't you go first? I mean, imagine if you get cut off <laughs> and you're like, dee dee, no problem, because that's what you'd like them to do instead of, and you wave and it's a totally different gesture and the whole bit, right? Imagine if you're, you're, you come home from work and, and, and you walk in the door and your wife or your husband starts going off on you and you're like, you didn't even know what kind of day I had. Imagine if it were reversed. How would you like them to respond? Your kids, your, I mean, imagine if this wasn't just the golden rule and a church of people actually did it. It's a command from Jesus in all areas of our life. How do you want to be treated? Treat others that way. I just don't want to rush over these things like they're just, oh yeah, the golden rule. I mean, think about your week. What would it look like if you wanted a promotion and you knew this other guy was up for the promotion and you just said, oh, yeah, no, he's a great work. He's doing fantastic. You built him up. How oh, but what about my, what about me? See, that's the ramification of having this verse applied in your life. You put it all back on God. God, I'm going to treat them the way, I, and I'm going to let you work out all the details. It's an incredible act of faith to obey that command. It's awesome, awesome. Number nine, pay attention. no. That's number nine, okay? You guys looked, I thought you were in trouble. Pay attention. Uh, this year was the year of the pirates. You read about all the, the, uh, the, um, the uh, container ships being taken by pirates, right? What, what happens? You're, you're a captain and you're going along and all of a sudden pirates come and they take over your container ship. And I think that one was a $4.6 million ransom to get it back, right? This is a command of Jesus. It's so simple, but he says, essentially, watch out. That's his command. It's a command. Watch out. Do this. Here's what he says. 
Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are, are ferocious wolves. Matthew 20, I'm going to just read a few where Jesus kind of keeps this commandment going. Matthew 24, 4. Watch out that no one deceives you. 24, 42. Keep watch because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. Again, in, verse, in chapter 25, verse 13. Keep watch because you do not know the day or the hour. See, Jesus is saying, for some of us in 2010, you just need to pay attention. There are pirates right at the door of your family waiting to ransack your marriage. Pay attention. Some of us, for our kids, we need to wake up. Some of us in our personal holy lives, we've been dabbling in this thing or this or that thing or doing whatever, and Jesus is saying, watch out. Watch out. Don't let anyone deceive you. Don't let anyone rob you. You have to pay attention. This this walk with Christ is a dangerous walk. There's an enemy. I mean, we Joe Carlos dressed up like the devil. It was all funny and everything, but both Pastor Carlos and I know very full well there is a real enemy, and he's seeking to destroy your marriage, your family, you. He wants your very soul. And Jesus says, watch out, don't look around. Are there pirates coming in your life? Are you dabbling in things you shouldn't be dabbling in? This is serious business. It's a command of Jesus. Finally, the last one, go to Jesus. Go to Jesus. We see this in, um, that's Michael Jackson's casket. And if there's ever been a person who has kind of summed up a troubled soul, it would be him. And the way his life ended was a tragedy. And it's just, I mean, it was just a perfect example of what we do in America, <laughs> where we just, it's just materialism and then there we go. And what Jesus is pleading to you in 2010 is this verse right here. Come to me, all who, you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. I will give you rest. Not buying things, not learning things, not having the right group of friends around you. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. He is the answer. He goes on, he says, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Listen, for some of you, 2009 was just a burden. It was hard financially, it was hard spiritually, it was hard emotionally, maybe it was hard physically, and you are just, you're done. You know what Jesus says for 2010? Come to me, come to me. Don't get your, don't get it from finances. Don't get it, come to me. Oftentimes when I go through a difficult time, the first thing I reach for is my cell phone (laughs) to call my friend. The Lord says, don't do that, come to me. Let's see if we can't work it out first. And maybe it's Facebook or Twitter or whatever, and you're just like, you want to let your community know? That's fine. But first, come to Jesus. Now, here, here's, here's what happens as we close and as Pastor Carlos comes forward. I want to end in this. Jesus summed all these commandments up. Okay, and, and, and for some of you, you, you're looking down this list of 10. I'll just go over them again real quick. Repent often. Create healthy boundaries. Take responsibility. Forgive. Keep your focus. Don't be anxious. Do not judge. Obey the golden rule. Pay attention and go to Jesus. And maybe you're like, whew, that's a lot of stuff. Maybe you just pick one or two 
for the beginning of 2010. You go, you know what? I'm going to forgive my mom and I'm going to whatever it is. Because Jesus summed all this up. Okay, here's what he says. He says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. Get your relationship with God right. Number two, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets, everything he's commanded, hang on loving God and loving people. 